Welcome to the Owl360 podcast for the 2019-2020 season, shall we say, of school. Yeah. <laughs> With us in the studio, we have Mrs. Albrand and Mrs. Altemeyer, and today we're just going to go over some new information we may have about elevation, IEPs, things that may be coming on the horizon, something we could share with our teachers and staff and even students. So, Mrs. Altemeyer, what's on your plate? What's going on? Thanks for having me on the show, Troy. I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about elevation and our obligation to make sure that we are following learning plans for English learners. Every student who is a level one through four has a learning plan and is required um, to have EL services, but it's also important to know that the classroom teacher is responsible for implementing that ILP as well. To make that as easy as possible, we've tried to provide every teacher in the corporation with an elevation login. And when you log in, you will see the students that are specific to your classroom and your roster. So you can um, look at their learning plans, you can look at their can-do descriptors, you can also find information on how to support them with instruction. There's lots of good accommodations and learning tips that you can access in Elevation as well. So one of the things that we want to make sure is that we're logging into Elevation on a regular basis and that we are also logging in to access those learning plans currently, but also in the next few weeks because teachers are still working to identify and place new students for services. So they may not be in Elevation today, but they may be in in the next few weeks, within the next few weeks as newcomers. Diane, sorry to interrupt, but unlike an IEP, um, does an elevation, does an ILP, can it be dynamic? Does, can it change dramatically or because with different lesson plans or different approaches? Yes, and we do mod- um, make changes to learning plans on occasion, but um, one of the things that elevation can help you do is really support that instruction outside of accessing the ILP. It can really be more of a, a, an instructional support as well. So that's why we encourage teachers to log in on a regular basis. And if you don't have a login, you can certainly contact me and we can look into why. But you should have received an email if you're a new teacher. You should have received an email from Elevation to create your account. So. Michael, would you do do IEPs aren't as dynamic, are they? They don't change as often or perhaps. Or do you would you like teachers to log in weekly too uh, or... Sure. That's a great question, Troy. I would say different than Elevation, as far as our special education teachers, you all have great access to those IEPs. For the general education teaching staff, um, you're going to be getting those IEPs at a glance, and those are going to give you the most important information as far as accommodations, behavior plans, any medical information, things like that. Um, An IEP would not change in any capacity unless we had a case conference to review it. And I know there's a lot, I know sometimes that there's a lot to keep track of with all this. You guys amaze me that you're able to do so seriously. I mean, I know that's a lot of responsibility. What's something that teachers can do to assist in that? Just checking in, and if they see an anomaly, they can let somebody know, or what do you guys suggest there? So I would say that the first point of contact, anytime you have a question, could be your EL teacher in the building. Every teacher has at least one, if not multiple, EL um, teachers that can help you with elevation. Each building has an EL classroom contact, so if you're unsure of that, you can check with your building principal or feel free to email me. Um, So you can point out um, anything that you might be missing or that you see it might be incorrect. 
um, to one of those or feel free to always reach out to me as well. But your building contacts are going to know your specifics regarding your building especially. Ms. Albrand, same thing with you. Check in with the teacher of record. I think so too. I think it's also all about finding a, an organizational system that works for you. I know at the elementary level where teachers have fewer, fewer students meeting in a school day, um, you know, they probably know those three to five to eight students IEPs very well. For the middle and high students that, tra- you know, that you have a different class every period or every block, I know teachers create binders or they create um, a Google Drive where those are dropped into. I have seen teachers make a spreadsheet, especially for those accommodations where it just looks the name and then across what students get so I think it's finding a quick and easy access so that you know easily what your students need um, but also to keep yourself in compliance and I don't think there's anything wrong with keeping those those forms of communication open I know like if I if I'm worried about following if I'm following a child's IEP there's nothing wrong with I mean you you want the questions you know you go to the teacher of record and, and say am I doing this correctly or what's the approach here and I think we you know you you all encourage that any tips on that? I, again, what you would like uh, teachers to do if they have questions? I would echo Mrs. Altemeyer that the first line of defense is going to be that teacher of record. So the special education teacher that's responsible for keeping that IEP up to date and compliant, they're going to be the best ones to go to first to get the information that you need. And I think our populations in both for, for special education and our, our language learners are just growing by leaps and bounds, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah, we continue to see an increase, um, and but I think it's also important important to point out the very different nature of the services between an IEP and an ILP. Right. Um, an ILP for English learners is is primarily to support language acquisition, um, and that that um, can be a very specific um, service, but it's also required within the classroom that all teachers that work with that student support the student's language acquisition, not just during a pull-out or push-in EL service time. Um, And that an an ILP primarily works with language. An IEP, Micah. So an IEP is going to be much more inclusive. Uh, Those documents are going to be much longer in general. They're going to include many components that we could probably do a whole show on the components of an IEP, but you're definitely going to have goals be set for the students, actual service, push in or pull out. Um, It's going to talk a a lot of um, more specifically about the student and all of their needs from transportation to medical to um, where they are at currently in their their existing data, you know, all the way to, again, behavioral plans and other types of plans. So, um, yes, I would agree that our population continues to grow. Um, While we lose graduating seniors every year, we seem to start not shy of that number at the beginning of the year, and then we grow from there. So um, it is definitely a a growing um, place to be. Well, changing topic real fast, what do you, what's on our future for this year? Any of you guys see any new things coming down the pike that we need to kind of put on our radar? One of the things that we're working, especially with English learners, is to determine is, um, especially with programs that continue to in, um, inject the Spanish options into things, like iLearn now has a Spanish component with the translations and the dictionaries, we just I just learned that NWEA has a Spanish component. And while this can be very helpful for many of our students, it's not always appropriate for every student. So just because we have it doesn't necessarily mean that it's appropriate for a student. Because one of the things that we have to be mindful of is many of our um, shoe speakers, 
Um, we can't really assign Spanish, and it really needs to be that ILP team committee that's determining whether a student should have that accommodation. And this is a very new uh, phenomenon for English learners because in the past we've not had a lot of access to, to Spanish. And so uh, while we work to gather information and provide guidance on when and where this will be appropriate, uh, know that uh, that is an option but not necessarily something that we mass assign. It really needs to be based on what is appropriate for a student and their um, Spanish language literacy. So there will be more guidance coming on that in the future. We ran into that last year on iLearn. Mm -hmm. We had some automatically and they came to me after the practice test and said, Mr. Hubbard, I don't know, I don't speak Spanish. I mean, yeah. you know, and so we had some issues. We had to change it back and yeah. forth in there. Yeah, and so, you know, with especially um, it only being available in Spanish right now, as far as I know on NWEA, um, I would venture to say that that's really a small uh, population of students that that may even be appropriate for. Mrs. Albrand? What's coming yes. up new uh, yeah. in as far as special education, sure. anything on the horizon? Sure. Well, we've talked a lot about IEPs and getting to know our students, having a system for that. So this summer, many of you probably got several emails about the learning connection going away, the communities going away, and the IEP system, that database on the website is still there this school year. So we're looking forward to getting new information, they said potentially in the spring, about the new IEP process and the new website potentially that will house that. Um, so if you hear that coming as soon as we have information I will definitely shoot that out and then also with accommodations because we've talked a lot about that that tab in the IEP system has undergone some really big changes this year where um, if you're a general education teacher and certainly our special ed staff are pretty aware of this but there's a big difference now in the IEP noting what students get on the daily accommodation side and then what in addition do they need to have on I learn and that's a pretty big change this year before it was kind of all housed in one area so um, you'll see that difference and that conversation start to happen this year. So, and also I would just mention quickly, you know, dyslexia is definitely mm -hmm. a topic this year. And I know Mrs. Dubois is working hard on that plan. Um, and we will be looking at that screening process coming up specific to special education, potentially students that would need to be exempt from that process. So um, we'll be getting more information out on that as well. Again, I'd like to thank you both for being here in the Walnut Street Studios. In closing, Mrs. Altemeyer, anything you would like to add? Sort of excellence. Mrs. Albrand? Everyone, every day. This has been Troy Hubbard. Thank you for joining us at the Owl 360 Podcast. See you next time. It's the Owl 360 Podcast, and we have a roundtable discussion going on today about PBIS. And around the table are... Brandon Roberts. Lori Ann Wessel. And Katie Leedsman. So let's start off our discussion with what is PBIS? Uh, PBIS stands for Positive Behavior Interventions and Supports, and it's really um, a preventative measure that you put in place to help kids learn expectations, and it's a proactive approach. Um, it focuses more on prevention than punishment. Would you say it's an environmental aspect too, Katie? I mean, as far as the school's concerned? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're looking at all the areas of your school and you're deciding how should kids uh, behave in this area? What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that um, feel like? And you're teaching kids and reteaching kids uh, just like you would any other subjects like math or science. You're teaching that behavior um, in all areas of the building. 
Lorianne, would you like to add anything to that? Yeah. Um, one thing that we focused on at the 7-8 building um, is looking at vocabulary and how the teachers, students, any staff member um, will talk about the behavior and talk about the expectations. And then also in the interventions, we also uh, want to use the same vocabulary on um we want to use the same vocabulary with how we're going to respond to the behavior and what we're going to communicate home to parents. So that has helped us just as a school approach, just make sure we're all on the same page. Mr. Roberts? Yeah, I would completely agree with the consistent vocabulary throughout the building. That is something that Jackson Elementary has really focused on this school year is everybody speaking the same language, the consistent language, so that no matter where students are throughout the building, they understand the the types of things that they are striving for. And I think with that, that would enable more instructional time too, because you're not having, well, I'm sending this student to the office for this reason, whereas that's something you might be able to handle with, through, through the PBIS system with documentation. Yeah, we really work on leveling. So at the 7-8 building, we have tiers. So we have tier one, which is classroom uh, behaviors, tier two behaviors that would be more of a team approach since we do teaming. And then we have tier three, which is office level. So in leveling the, the behaviors, we really have empowered teachers to manage as much as they can in the classroom, teaching, reteaching, like Katie said, modeling, um, and then intervening appropriately. And then that really does it cuts down on the amount of time kids are out of class if they are being sent to the office for things that can just be handled in the classroom. And it's clearly defined. The students know where they stand, I would think. Uh, I do this. It's a, I mean, if this happens. Now, what's going on at Jackson, Mr. Roberts? What do, you, what do you guys have in place already? So this year at Jackson, we rolled out a new PBIS program called the Wildcat Way, Everyone, Every Day. And it's focused on, we are the Wildcats. So we have an acronym of PAWS, P-A-W-S. Ah. The P stands for positive attitude. The A is act responsibly. The W is work together. And the S is show kindness and respect. And so last school year, we did a lot of work with our staff through various committees and surveys where we really wanted to know what was important to our teachers what was important to our students, and what was important for our building goals. And so that's what we landed on, the Wildcat Way, everyone, every day. So we are working really hard this year on pushing that out to students and making sure that they are excited about it, making sure that we're keeping it relevant and keeping it in the front of their minds. Do you have any sort of tangible, like, um, at the middle school we have what's called the Allegalli. And that's where students earn a thing through Albux. Do you have any tangible thing like that where students get to visit or they earn something like that? Yes. So students can earn paw prints, which is basically a ticket, and they can earn that for being caught with um, one of the attributes of paws. So they earn these paw prints, and they can put it in their classroom bucket. Once a month, Mr. Brown, the principal, myself, our school social worker, and we also have a mascot, Pauls, that goes around to every single classroom on the last Friday of the month, and we do a live draw of one student per classroom that has been caught um, showing excellent behavior. And so they get to pick a prize from the Wildcat Wagon, and then we also have classroom teachers pick one Wildcat of the month, and they are able to attend a celebration 
with all of the other Wildcats of the month to do lots of different things. They'll get some sort of treat, whether that be popsicles or pizza, um, play some games, and just have some uh, a time to celebrate their great behavior. Lorian, what, what do we do at the middle school? Well, we are in our third year of PBIS implementation, so um, we're, we're kind of uh, focusing more on students and student leadership. Mr. Hubbard, I know that you've started an Alcasters um, program, which getting them involved in the school culture. Um, the first day of school, we this year, and, and we actually started it last year, we do an Al Academy, uh, where the entire school, we just kind of focus on um, behavior expectations, social expectations, and what we want our culture of our building to be. In the morning, the administrative uh, staff does three large sessions with the students and we talk about um, how do you arrive and depart from school routines safely just routines cafeteria routines and um, in general I I go through what PBIS is and what the tiers mean for them Um, and so in in looking at our focus with students and leadership we're also looking through our student government this year um, for them to create videos we had a presenter come and, and work with the staff this summer and she talked about how um, adults can talk to students all day long about behavior and expectations, but when it starts to come from the peers and they start to um, identify what kind of behaviors they would like to see in their school building, and you know they do it in a powerful way through skits or videos, they really start to see cultural change. So that's something that we're going to be focusing on. I think we're going to do that through student government mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so we also do student of the week we do we, a, do. we do student of the month um, also the students can earn owl bucks kind of like your pause tip your pause tickets uh, and the, with the owl bucks we have what's called an alley galley and that's that's tangible items they can go in and buy uh, whether it be a new hat or a scarf or even we have shirts in there school supplies and believe it or not we actually have students that need deodorant Mm-hmm. socks, undergarments, and they can buy that stuff in yeah. there too with their albums too. We try to get stuff at Christmas time because a lot of our population is at, I don't, not a lot, but some of our population is poverty level or below. Mm-hmm. So this is a way for them to buy like presents they want to. Plus they can buy just the goofball stuff. We have whoopee yeah. cushions in there. <laughs> now we have to keep, uh, when, when Troy and I go and do shopping for the Alley Gala, we have to keep Troy away from the toy aisle because some of the stuff he would like to have for himself as well. So. <laughs> well, I buy a little for me. You know how it is. But now, Katie, I think your challenge is you're kind of tasked with, I think, if I'm not wrong, tying all this desperate together. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I think part of the initiative is just getting everyone on the same page across all five elementaries. Um, I'm only working with the elementary schools right this, now, year. this year. <laughs> <laughs> and um, everyone, every single school is in a different phase of implementation. So some have already started and have some things in place, and other schools um, are just going to be starting this year. So it will be um, a fun task to try to get everyone eventually on the same page. Um, together and like they said using the same vocabulary building to building because we do have a lot of students who will go from Jackson to Brown to Uh Reading in one year and how nice would it be for that kid to know oh yeah I already know that's the hallway expectation I recognize the signage I recognize the words Um, so just kind of bringing some of those processes routines and procedures together at all five of our elementaries I think will be helpful to 
all involved. And challenging. I mean, I think what would be good, though, you're going to be exposed to a lot of, you might steal a little bit from here <laughs> that would work over here at this school. Yeah, absolutely. I've already seen um, great things where I've emailed principals and said, hey, can I show this to, you know, so-and-so in another building? And um, everyone is a team player, and they're all like, yes, I want to do mm -hmm. this, and we want to, uh, we want to um, provide this service for our kids, and I think it's it's going to be Awesome. Well, and I think tying it in, that way when we do, as you were pointing out, they do have the transfers from school to school to school, it's a common vocabulary. Mm -hmm. And that way when they hit the middle school or the sixth grade center middle school, they have the vocabulary in place, and hopefully we can get it on into the high school as well. Um, I don't know where, if that's on the table yet, but I think we're, we're starting out really as yeah. a school-wide yeah. school initiative. Mm -hmm. um, other challenges you see, though, what are some things that, that – could hinder the process a little bit. Is it because there's so many so many different things going on? Could that hinder it? Or Right. There are a lot of moving parts, and I think um, one thing that's always a challenge is time. So time for all the building principals and some of their staff to get together. We've started a committee. We're going to meet once a month to work on some of these big district um, initiatives, like talking about our multi-tiered systems of support and how do those look in each building. Um, we're going to talk about our signage and our area expectations. We're going to talk about referrals and what's hand like you mentioned, what's handled in the classroom level yes, versus what's it's important an office issue. And um, you know, even just looking at data and how do we upload data and who takes the data and where does that come from and using that to drive our decisions. Uh, I think that that's always a challenge. Um, just getting all of that started and going. One aspect that I like is from the counseling standpoint is I can go back to last year and Mrs. Wessel is awesome about helping create this is that I can go back and say, okay, there's Troy. Troy had trouble getting here within, say, in changing from class to class. And that way I, we can be proactive in that. I can get Troy and say, hey, Troy, here's what's going on in that particular yeah. area. And we really focused on that this year with our teachers that every student – starts over at square one the next year even if they were a tier three student by definition they start over but like um, Mr. Hubbard said we can share that information with our teachers and say this worked last year these were interventions that were successful these were interventions that were tried and they were not successful so we we cut we trim the fat so to speak and we um, really only focus on what we know is proven with these these students to work and um, I in kind of responding back to you Katie and, and you know sharing with principals I think that myself included um, anything that we can do to keep those kids in the classroom and making those behaviors less um, disruptive and, and less frequent for them is good for the student it's good for the class it's good for the teacher mm -hmm. and it's good for it's good for us mm -hmm. in the office I mean we we, we can be more productive with our time. It is a, it is win-win. Now, Brandon, are you guys doing any, keeping any, court, any sort of data going or a data sheet with, with what your behaviors and what you're tracking? Yes, so anytime a student is showing uh, what we consider as major behaviors, we have a Google form that teachers fill out, and it, it's very specific with not only just the name, grade, teacher, but the types of behaviors that we're seeing. So that automatically populates into a spreadsheet, which is really great. You can check back from year to year and see this child last year had 
difficulties in this area. Here's what we did and it did work, or here's what we did and it didn't mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm, and then we can, we can use those types of strategies that next year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think, Kay, that'd be a good thing, I think, for you too, because you're going to have, hopefully we'll have all that data at one time, and that way you can kind of see trends too, I would think. So you'll have to do it. I know you'll be examining a lot of numbers <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of stuff in there. But what another thing I wanted to steer it toward is that we've talked kind of generally around it, but I think that what's good about that is the PBIS is it kind of rewards those kids that the good, solid students, not, not that there's not a bad student, but I'm, what I'm point is that who does the right thing every day, turns in their homework, doesn't get in trouble, is polite to their friends, and it's a way to reward those students as well. A lot of times students, like most of us, kind of not only say get ignored, but we don't get that tangible reward. And that way, at, at the middle school, we can say, you know, I like the way you walk down the hall, or you bent down to help that student pick up their books. Here's two L bucks. Do you guys see that happening a little bit in yeah, your school? absolutely. I think that is a huge part of PBIS is rewarding kids for meeting expectations. And the more you positively reward kids, the more the kids want to earn that. Um, PBIS recommends a ratio of three to one positive interactions. So, you know, we want to, for every redirection, we want to give that kid three positives. And um, I learned this summer that actually kids with behaviors need a lot more than yes, one. yes, it's more like twenty to one. I think that we had a, a in service from a gentleman. Mm-hmm. That was, I think he was saying maybe five, five, five to one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's that's something that Mr. Brown and myself that really spoke to us that at our summer training is that ratio of interactions. <laughs> and so Mr. Brown actually came up with a great idea. We have a paw print for every teacher, and inside is a ratio four to one. And we gave that to every staff great idea. in our building as just a reminder to us of how important that ratio can be, specifically with those students that are, have challenging behavior on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And a lot, oh, go ahead, Ms. Wessel. Well, a lot of those students, too, are bringing, I am trying to be positive, that the, the home life is not, they even get negativity at, at home, that's what I'm saying. So if you can look at that child and give them what we call, we used to call it put-ups three put-ups, four put-ups, five put-ups, then that they're going to hesitate before that behavior strikes in, especially in middle school where impulse control isn't the best um, and they're adolescents. So I think, I think that's a great aspect of it. That's where the alley-galley comes in mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wanted to touch base with something that you said, Troy, and, and you mentioned that PBIS is meant for all students because there is a misconception the PBIS is really, it's um, rewarding those students that struggle with behavior. But really what we try and do is we build a culture where um, the best that you can give is expected. And because you're giving us that, then you deserve the recognition. So it's not that we're rewarding those students who, you know, were misbehaving and now they're better. We are, we are rewarding all students for meeting expectations and building that culture that that you will get more attention in our school for being positive and for doing what's right than you will get for doing what's wrong. So, you know, with those ratios, that that I think that's kind of changed the scope of PBIS, and hopefully, it's changing the perception that it's it's more about um, what we we want our kids to do, not um, not just to get a reward, but we just want that to be part of the culture. So, for a school corporation that's just getting started, first step. What should they do, Katie? I mean, open to everybody. Is is it what Brandon said? Get to watch your ideals down, or what? What do you think, Katie? 
Um, there are a ton of resources available for schools that want to get started with PBIS. Um, there are a lot of rubrics where you can look at because you would be surprised at how many things your school corporation may already have in place. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't called. Called PBIS. Yeah. Just wasn't. Mm-hmm. So looking at that, you know, picking what, where do we want to start with this? Do we want to look at what are our three pillars? Mm-hmm. Um, trust, respect, safety, whatever those may be. And I think really starting there and deciding this is what we believe in and moving forward from that. I know at the at the middle school, we started really with the Alley Galley itself mm-hmm. and, the, and giving out Al Bucks. Mm-hmm. That was kind of, now that may be the cart dragging the horse. I, I don't know, but we kind of filled in the blanks. There's other... Filled in the blanks as we as we went. Lorianne, getting started, any recommendations for a school? Well, just like what Katie said, just really, what are your pillars? At the 7-8 building, we do respect, responsibility, and resourcefulness. That's been there since I've, I've been there. Um, and then what we did is we just kind of, every area of the building, what does that look like for our students and our staff? What does it mean to be respectful in the hallway? What does it mean to be respectful in the cafeteria? What does it look like to be resourceful? Um, and we really just, we educated not only our students, but we educated our staff what that looks like. And um, I think that's a big piece. And, and like I said, we're, we're in year three of this, and we have seen so much growth with our staff um, just on how they interact with students. And, and they now know that it's better to put your focus on the low impact and the low level interventions, we may call like those tier one uh, front load those, and then you can pre- prevent the tier two or the tier threes. So I think it's 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 working with your staff, coming up with a common expectation, tying it to those pillars like what you guys had been talking about, and then teaching the entire community, parents as well. Parents need to know when we're talking about tiers what that means. Parental involvement. Yeah, and I I completely agree. I think one of the most important things for us was getting that staff involvement. And something that we are super excited about is, is working with Katie with the entire corporation, getting people from each building together and everybody sharing the great things that are going on in their building and then working together to come up with kind of a common goal and, and everybody kind of customizing what they are already doing towards the common goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What works, what doesn't work. This was great for us. What's PBIS look like for your staff? How are you modeling this with your staff? So what does PBIS look for the staff? How are you modeling with, with your staff, Mr. Roberts? When you talk about the Wildcat way, with PBIS you do tend to focus on, this is for the students, mm-hmm. but it's really for the entire building, adults and kids. So it makes having those conversations easier with the kids as well as the adults because you know everybody has a bad day. Mm-hmm. And if you're speaking a consistent language, it's easier to say, hey, let's follow the wildcat way. Um, mm-hmm. Let's show a positive attitude. And so just speaking that language with everyone um, is, is super important. Katie or Lorianne, care to elaborate? Um, I know, I noticed that at Jackson, you guys also started a 21 days of gratitude. And I think that's an excellent way to promote a positive mindset. Uh, I thought that was really a cool thing that I saw that you guys were doing. Um, and I wanted to say something about training staff. I also think 
one of my goals this summer is to run a PD session for our classified staff. Um, so the cafeteria Great. workers, the bus drivers, the IAs, um, just so they're aware too, you know, as I'm in building to building observing, I think they are a vital part of our school that really also needs the same training we're giving our teachers because mm -hmm. they're working with our kids, seeing them every single day in very important and sometimes unstructured yes. times. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's I, one of my goals. I often tell bus drivers, you get our kids at their best on their way home whenever <laughs> they're ready to get home, and I, I, I couldn't do it. So absolutely training them. and Well, just how to, how to interact, yes, yeah. how to interact, because yeah. that's a very hard job, and I think mm -hmm. that sometimes you're – when I know when I'm tense with my own children, that's when I'm not, yeah. now, Sean, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, absolutely. Sean, what are yeah. you doing? That kind of thing. We, we focused on, with our staff, de-escalation um, and just knowing that a dysregulated adult dealing with a dysregulated student right. is never going right. to, to turn into regulation. So working on just being perceptive of what are my triggers and knowing that maybe my triggers are different than Katie's triggers and Brandon's triggers. And if I've got a student that's really pushing my my triggers, I need to, to remove myself from the time situation, out, take a time out, and I need to regulate myself, maybe tag team another adult, uh, which we, we can do that with teaming at the 7-8 mm -hmm. building. And um, just understand that it's the behavior is not directed at me. It's it's It's... Uh, communicating a need and I'm not giving them that whatever they need at this point so maybe I need to step out and regulate myself before I can help the child. Lorianne so. can you give us some examples of like a tier one behavior tier two and tier three? Well I, at the secondary level um, it, it, and, and I've noticed this as I've been at the sixth grade center also it, it's different at the levels just because um, we've always talked about elementary school teachers you know, they, they are in tier one most of the time. Um, mm -hmm. And so at the secondary level, we had a hard time really looking at what was tier one, and we had some difference of opinions. Um, but that's, like you said, Brandon, we did surveys at the very beginning. What do you think would fall in the, these categories? Mm -hmm. So for us, mm -hmm. uh, tier one would be uh, tardiness to class um, three or fewer times. It would also be um, like coming to class without your Chromebook charged. Um, it would be... Um, talking in class and it would be uh, just off-task behavior um, but we also we, we, we put a criterion on it that once it gets to a certain point like if it's um, three or more infractions or if it's um, kind of a widespread problem across the team of teachers then it would bump up a level so um, our, our teachers do a great job we use Google Forms as well to document and then we've got a teacher in our building um, who has really done a great job of um, working with our spreadsheet and populating all of our data to go straight to the team. So, and even once it goes to the team, then it goes into certain tabs on a spreadsheet. I mean, it's amazing. I would really suggest uh, checking this out. And it just, it makes the data a lot, a lot easier. Robin Ramp has, has done that. Um, the counselor page, which is nice down there, it has, like I can hit, I can hit counseling, and then there's the counseling notes, and I can hit tier one, tier two with the students listed, and it's just it's handy yeah. as can be. It's yeah. very, very handy as can be. Um, contact information for you guys. For I mean, is just hit your email. Look at email information. Is uh, if you don't mind sharing your emails, because yeah. we're gonna hopefully other co corporations are going to be checking us out, wanting to listen to this podcast, and figuring out where to start with PBIS. 
Mr. Roberts? Brandon Roberts. Uh, my email is robertsb at scsc.k12.in.us. Lorianne Wessel. Wessel L. Same ending at scsc.k12.in.us. Katie Leitzman. Uh, Leitzman K. I'll spell that one. L-E-I-T-Z-M-A-N-K at scsc.k12.in.us. This has been an Owl360 podcast examining the PBIS system where we are soaring to excellence. Everyone. Every day.